How many of you remember that song? Come on. Yeah. 1991. I was 12 years old. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so happy Father's Day, men. Uh, gosh, what a great day. Uh, I think my dad's watching online. If you're watching, Dad, happy Father's Day. We love you. It is a great day. You may not know this either. Hopefully you do know this. This is also another day uh, in our country that we uh, honor uh, that's really special, the day that we remember the Emancipation Proclamation. You may have heard this word, Juneteenth, out there. And uh, we remember the day that uh, our black brothers and sisters were freed from slavery in this country, and that is an amazing thing. Yes. And uh, if you don't know much about it, I encourage you to go and read about it. It's an amazing, uh, amazing thing. It was a landslide last year in the House of Representatives to become a national holiday. So some of you are going to benefit from that. In this week, you're going to get a day off. But uh, nevertheless, it reminded me, though, that though slavery of that kind does not exist uh, in our country anymore, slavery still is a very real thing in our world. And I was reading a story about a, a teenage girl who was at a Dallas Mavericks game not that long ago who was abducted and forced into human trafficking. They recently found her walking the streets. She'd been essentially just placed into slavery and was rescued from that, thank God. But I don't think we want to get, uh, we, we want to constantly be reminded that slavery is still something that exists in our world in different ways, and that we would just take a minute, I want to take a minute today to just ask God to continue to free people from that. That is not at all what God desires for people. We are created in God's image to be loved by him, to be loved by one another, never to be owned as property by other people. So I just want to pray before we dive in for our fathers, for this day, and that God would just continue to free those who are in bondage in our world. God, we thank you as we remember that uh, the men in our lives are important, but God, that ultimately you are the ultimate father. And in your love and compassion, you care for us. You, ex you express your love in very meaningful, actionable ways, and we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the men in our lives who've made a difference, whether they're our fathers or our grandfathers or uncles or uh, brothers, whatever it might be. We're grateful for them. May they be honored today. And Lord, as we remember the fact that, you know, some um, brave ancestors before us uh, created this Emancipation Proclamation, we remember that today. I pray, God, that you would continue by your grace and mercy, to free those who are in bondage today. God, oftentimes it's in the shadows of our world, and so that we as a church would be in prayer about that, but God, that we could, we could somehow be a part of that process as well, whatever that looks like. And we're just grateful that that no longer exists in the form that it had in the past here in our country, and we celebrate that, but God, we just ask for your healing and your mercy and your compassion in our world as our ultimate father who, re who returns people back to him, who frees people who are in bondage. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, as Stephanie met, wasn't Stephanie great this morning? If you don't know Stephanie, you need to get to know Stephanie and Rob. They're an amazing couple. Uh, that, that was way outside of her comfort zone to do that this morning, and she killed it. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing this morning. But More Than Words, released in 1991. By the way, I haven't preached in two weeks, so strap on your seatbelt, okay? Um, released in 1991. 1990-91 is kind of, there's some discrepancy there. But I was in middle school at the time. And so, as you can imagine, that was the love song of the day. I can, I can remember going to the dance in middle school 
And that song was played like every fourth song, you know? It was like, that was the most requested song because the girls wanted to dance with you during that song. And so it was a big deal at the time. And I was reading back the lyrics of this song, right? It's this ballad of one person to another, just begging him, don't just say the words, I love you, show them. Look at what it says. It says, more than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me because I'd already know. I mean, that's really what we all desire from relationships, isn't it? We, want, we don't want people to just say, I love you. We want them to show that they love us. We want you to not, you know what? Like, I, you know, I would rather you not say it to me than me just know it because you show it on a regular basis. That would be a beautiful picture, I think, not only of what we desire in our lives personally, but I also think it's a picture that God paints in the scriptures. Uh, these lyrics that got me thinking about my family's recent trip to Minnesota a couple weeks ago. We went there to celebrate my parents' 50th anniversary, 50 years of marriage. Yeah, quite the accomplishment. And uh, it was interesting on the morning of the, uh, there they are, that's 1972 and then 2022. Haven't changed a bit. I mean, seriously, I, I'm glad I have their jeans, you know. Uh, I hope I can look as good as they look then. But yeah, beautiful couple. Uh, but it got me thinking. My mom pulled out uh, all these pictures and stuff, that one included, and I was sort of sifting through them. It was cool to look through it. And the, the knowledge that God had sustained them for like 50 years, and that picture of them getting married was emblazoned on my mind uh, immediately from their ceremony. And they're so young. They're so happy. The whole future is ahead of them, including the most amazing son any parent could ask for. Like, it's all happening right there. And as I looked at that picture again on their 50th anniversary, I couldn't help but think that the members of the band Extreme, which, by the way, had you ever heard of Extreme? No, you had it, because that's the only song they've ever written that was worth listening to. But I couldn't help but think, man, the, the writers of the words of that song couldn't be more pleased with them, because they did it. Right? On June 2nd, 1972, they stood in front of God and their family and their friends, and they said vows to each other. And then 50 years later, they were still putting those vows into action. I am a witness that their love is more than words. It's real. It's tangible. It's actionable. Which, in the end, is what we look for in a loving relationship, right? You can take that picture down now, Ryan. Thanks. I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship, romantic or otherwise, where the person said they loved you, but their actions didn't match, you know how disappointing and frustrating that can be. We all internally desire a relationship with one another that's more than just words, which brings us to God. Because God like us, desires a relationship with us that's more than just words. And you know, God himself, he doesn't just love, he doesn't just say, I love, and nor do, you know, he doesn't just use those words. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. It is at the very core of who he is, of all of the attributes of who God is. This trumps them all. Everything he has done, everything he has said is rooted in his love. If you want to know what love truly is, look no further than the God of the Bible. Look no further 
than the person of Jesus who came as God in the flesh and lived among us. Now, self-declared love experts got nothing on God. I looked, I uh, just did like a Google research, and you can find hundreds of people who declare themselves as love experts. And I just laughed at some of the stuff they had to say. They got nothing on God. God is love. He is the meaning, the, the, the essence of what it means for us to love. Now, that said, I have to imagine that God has more than words on a Spotify playlist in heaven. Because it's so, it's so much a part of who he is. I think it's, it's, it's words that he has sung, if you will, for centuries to us. It's what God's been singing over humanity since creation. Because not only is God's desire that we learn to love him, but that we learn how to love each other in the same word way. And not just with words, but with our actions. So let me just show you what I mean. God's been singing this song in a different way for centuries, millennia, if you will. So if you have your phone with you, go ahead and open up to the YouVersion app and go to more and events and you can find Genesis and follow along with all of the texts we're going to read today. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 119, all right? Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Uh, it's written by a variety of poets, kind of a compilation, an anthology of different thoughts, a particular attribute to God's word and the power of it in a person's life. The Psalm 119 is all these different poems and, and songs that relate back to the power of God's word in our lives. And it also gives us a glimpse as to what love really is in God's kingdom and economy. So we're going to pick it up in verse 33. This is what the psalmist writes. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all of my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. Now, at first glance, you might be wondering what this passage has to do with the song we just talked about. What does this passage have to do with love? Well, I want to point you back to verse 34, where the psalmist writes this. It says, give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. I will put them into practice with all my heart. The psalmist is saying, like, I want to know your instructions so that I can turn them into actions based in love that come from the very core of who I am, the heart of who I am. I will put them into practice with all my heart, the psalmist says. It's a turn of phrase that essentially means I want to love with more than just words. Jesus said it more definitively in the book of John, and he says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then again in John 15, Jesus says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. These things are connected. In other words, Jesus is saying love is not a, so much a feeling. Love is a verb, right? Love is an action. 
Love is a verb. Love in the kingdom of God requires action. It it is not loving outside of putting it to practice with all of our heart. It's more than words, far more than words. It's, It's made real. People ought to see our love for God and for each other, not just hear about it. In contrast, Jesus calls out the religious elite in the book of Matthew. And he does it because of their hypocrisy around this very issue. Jesus can see right through the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he knows that despite what they say, the Pharisees and Sadducees don't really love God or people. Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 15 to tell them how far they are from really loving God. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now contrast that with Psalm 119 verse 34, where he says, I will put them into practice with all of my heart. I want to know those instructions and I want to put them into practice with all of my heart. And Jesus says, the the people, they talk about this, but their hearts, they're far from me. Because they're far from me, they don't put it into practice. Love is just, just a bunch of words. But the Bible is great quite differently. Before I, I want to go any further with this, I just want us to have a real moment with ourselves. We do this every once in a while here at church. Because, well, before we go judging the Pharisees and Sadducees too hard, we are a little more like them than we want to admit sometimes, aren't we? I mean, we're all guilty of saying one thing and then doing another, either blatantly or secretly. You know, at some level, we're all hypocrites. It's what sin does to us. It's what this broken world does to us. We say we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but do our actions always say that? We say we love people as God has loved us, but is that always true in practice? You know, funny enough, one of the criticisms of Christians, and rightly so for a lot of reasons, is that we're all hypocrites. And I kind of want to say, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. We are hypocrites. Welcome to the club. Welcome, right? Because we're here, but we know it, and we're here because that's not what we desire, but it's, it's a part of what it means to be a broken, sinful human being. We need Jesus in our lives to transform that in us. And so the difference, at least here at Genesis, is that we know we're hypocrites, but we're in desperate need of God's love, that actionable love to change our hearts so that we would put into practice the the instructions that he's given us with all of our hearts. We don't want to be hypocritical. We want to be more than words kind of people, right? We want where our words match our actions and vice versa, which is what Jesus is addressing in Matthew 15. Look, hypocrisy is to be expected. As sinful human beings fallen from the graces of God, that's where we end up. But what we do with that hypocrisy is up to us. Do we want to carry on in our hypocrisy, or do we wish to express greater love to God and to our church and to our world by loving Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves in an actionable way? You know, a few years back, I I created this course called Thrive, and some of you in this room have been through that. And 
it was birthed out of this desire to really get at the practicality of what it means to obey the great commandment. Now, if you don't know what the great commandment is, uh, it's from Deuteronomy 6, but then also Jesus talks about it a few times in the New Testament. And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I developed this course where I wanted to look at what does that mean for us on a practical level? Like, if this is true, if, if love is to be more than just words, then how we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength shouldn't just be like things that we pray or say. They should also be things that we do. And so I wanted to look at that. And so I started digging apart, and I created this course. And, and it's been really helpful, I think, for people to kind of look at that great commandment from a different perspective and also be able to, you know, be able to actionably put it into action in their own lives. Here's the thing. So each week I go through one of the aspects, right? Heart, soul, mind, strength, and then others. And I take some time to spend on each of those. And um, the class, you know, it takes each one and it develops them further. And, it, you know, eventually I get through all of that. And last year I, I walked through this course with 10 or 12 people and each week went as planned. And then we got to the week where I talk about loving God with our strength. And I felt uneasy. There was like this... I just didn't feel great about what I was saying. The meaning of this idea of loving God with our strength is to love God with all of the physical aspects that we've been given, including our finances and our opportunities and the care of our bodies. And at the time I was teaching it, I was maybe in the worst shape of my life. I was the heaviest weight I'd been ever, I was not eating well, I was not exercising well, I was not sleeping well, I was not taking care of myself at all. And I gave no thought to nutrition or any of that. Basically, I was doing everything you shouldn't do in order to care for yourself physically, and that was my space at the time. And so, as I was teaching this class and this, this particular aspect, I really, I, I felt uneasy because I was being a hypocrite. I was telling all of us, like, hey, this is what you should do. This is how you sh we should better care for our bodies. You should, you know, consider nutrition, and you should sleep better, and you should exercise, and you should take care of yourself. And in the same time, I wasn't doing any of it. I know I'm the only one here that ever does that, but we're having a moment of confession, right? And so I felt this, like, un just this weight. I mean, how could I sit there and tell people how they should love God with their strength, and I was floundering physically? And so it, it, it started this thing where I started to pray that God would help me in this area. Like, God, I need help. I don't, I don't know what to do. I feel lost, not only because I didn't want to say one thing and do another, but because, you know, I wanted to be able to love the people around me well, my family, my church, the people I interact with daily. And so I knew that being more physically fit and well would enable me to do that. So at the beginning of this year, I finally just kind of bit the bullet and I made one simple choice, one step of obedience in the right direction. I decided to completely cut out alcohol from my life. Now, I know that some of you have alcohol once in a while. I'm not against that. I did as well. But I just decided, you know what? I think my life will be better without it. So I no longer had a beer or maybe a little whiskey or whatever with dinner. And then in February of this year, on a whim, and I'm telling you, on a whim, like I didn't, it wasn't like I planned this. I just went, you know what? I'm not going to eat like dairy and like some carb stuff. And I just stopped doing it, and I just started losing weight. Now, I know some of you have noticed that, and that's great, but I cut this stuff out. No more French fries, no more white bread, no more cookies. 
And then a couple weeks later, I decided, hey, I've got this Vasa Fitness membership that I've been holding on to for six months. Maybe I should put it to good use. So I started showing up at the gym, and wouldn't you know it, I started to get healthy. I started to just take simple steps in the right direction. And since then, I've done a ton of research around health and our modern society. It's caused me to make some great adjustments in my patterns of sleep and nutrition and activity. I've lost more than 40 pounds. I can actually see muscles and veins in my arms. Like, it's pretty cool. I think my wife's happier with this situation. I don't know. Um, I feel better than I have in an entire decade. I have more energy for my family, for this church, for the mission of God. And people have been asking me, what did you do to make this change? And uh, it's not like I said, well, I went on this diet or went on that diet or I did this or that. And I reflect back and I can honestly say it was a desire to want to love God more deeply. If, if I pull back the layers of what's gone with, on with me physically, it wasn't, I didn't want to become the sexiest man in the world, although I feel like I'm on that track, so pray for me. <laughs> um, People Magazine, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't like trying to like be more environmentally conscious or anything. I wasn't doing any of that. I just wanted to love God more deeply. I wanted to fulfill the great commandment more deeply. Now, I don't know what that looks for you. I'm not trying to tell you what you should do. I'm just telling you that this is what happens, and I've discovered it in my own life. I'm not saying any of this to brag because I've been terrible at this for most of my life. I'm telling you that when we take steps in the right direction, that take the instructions of God, love me with all of your strength, and we put them into practice with all of my heart, guess what happens? Things begin to change in our lives. Not only personally, but in your world as well. Things will begin to change in your workplace and in your family and in the grocery store and in your neighborhood and when you interact with your friends who aren't Christians. And I don't tell you this story because I've somehow figured it all out. I'm still figuring this out. But I do tell you this story to just simply encourage you today to take a step in the right direction, to take the instructions of God and begin to put them into practice with all of your heart. There is somewhere in your life that you know right now that God wants you to take a step in the right direction. I mean, how can you, as the psalmist says, put God's instructions into practice with all of your heart? What is one thing? I'm not asking you to do the whole gamut, okay? What is one thing that you could start today to take a step in the right direction? Maybe a good place for you to start is just deciding, I'm going to start reading my Bible on a daily basis. Maybe that's eluded you. Maybe that's been difficult for you. Because here's the thing, if you know the instructions of God, guess what? It's much easier to put them into practice in your life, right? So reading the Bible is essential to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I do this thing, it's called the five-day reading plan. And you can just go, I think it's five-day, what is it? Five-daybiblereading.com, okay? And uh, I, I read five days a week, and then I do other things on the weekend. But five days a week, I have this thing that I follow, and it just tells me what to do, and I read it. And it's been amazing for my spiritual life, to just go, oh, this is what God wants for me. Not from me, but for me. 
Or maybe you have the YouVersion app. It's a great tool. Use it. Show up. God's there. He's waiting. Whether it's in the morning or the evening or the afternoon or 10 minutes from now, he is there waiting to spend time with you. Maybe taking a step today is that you're, you're feeling led to start serving in a greater capacity in our church. I hope that Stephanie is an inspiration to you today. Seriously, like, this is a woman who decided, hey, you know what? I'm not just going to stand on the sidelines and watch everybody else do this. I'm going to use my gifts. And I'm even going to take steps of, like, things that kind of scare me so that the church would be better served. Maybe that's a step in the right direction for you today, to join one of our teams, to go to the Welcome Center and say, I don't know what I could do, but I want to help, I want to serve, I want to get involved. That could be a step in the right direction for you. Maybe you're feeling led to finally deal with the trauma of your past. It's been haunting you for years. So so here's what I want you to do. If that's you, if you've got abuse or trauma in your past, come and talk to one of us. Make an appointment to meet with me. I'm not the one that's going to solve all of your problems or something like that, but I can help point you in the right direction to get some of the help that you need. Maybe you're feeling led to address that hidden addiction in your life. You know that that God has been like, man, I want you to, to be free from this. Again, come talk to us. Make an appointment with us. Find a celebrate recovery in the area. Take a step in the right direction. Maybe like I was, you want to pursue greater physical health in your life so you can love God and those around you more deeply. Be happy to talk with you. I don't have all the answers, but I can help, I think, to take a step in the right direction. Here's what I want you this morning to think about. I want you to think of that one step you can take in the direction of loving God, not just with your words, but through obedience, through living out the instructions he's given to us by putting them to practice with all of your heart. It doesn't have to be this huge step, right? I'll tell you what I didn't do. I didn't wake up on January 1st and went, all right, that's it. I'm not eating another you know, piece of meat. I'm never having ice cream again. I'm never going to In-N-Out. I'm never doing anything. I'm only going to eat celery and garbanzo beans for the rest of my life. I'm going to work out twice a day, seven days a week. You know, I'm going to go to bed. It's, I didn't do that, nor do I recommend you do that, okay? That sounds horrible. It was just a small little step. You know, I go back to it. Love is a verb. We are called to love one another. We're called to love God. And we're, do, we're to do so not just with our words, but with our actions. To love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love one another as we have been loved by God. And those are actionable things. You can take action today. One small step in the right direction. That's God's asking of you today. Come with me. Walk with me. One small step in the right direction. I say this all the time, but I I love this about who God is. God never asks us to do something he didn't already do himself. God doesn't ask, ask us to take steps towards practicing love in our life, making it actionable without having done it himself. Look at what Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 8 says. It says, but God, what's the word? 
showed his great love for us by sending action, Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't just say, hey, I love you guys, and never did anything about it. He said, I love you so much that I will send my own son to show you the depths of my life, my love for you, to die on a cross for you, forgiving you of your sins, giving you new life, giving you a new relationship with me so that you too can experience that same love that I have shown to the world, that you too could live out what it means to love in your life, both to me, God, and also to other people around you. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel right here. The good news is this, that while we were still sinners, hypocrites, just languishing on this earth, God shows his love to us by sending Jesus. And now he's calling us, his people, to do the same. To love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. More than words, to put it into action. Because love is a verb. It is an action. So will you take a step this morning? Just one step in the right direction. Let's pray. God, I just want to start by first thanking you for your grace in my life. Um, I'm in awe sometimes of how compassionate and merciful you are to me. And I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you that you don't just leave us to our own devices, God, but you walk alongside us. That you give us your Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And so this morning, as we consider one step that we can take in the right direction, into putting into practice the instructions you've given to us, God, I pray that your Spirit would free us from any fears. God, that it would calm our hearts and our minds and our doubts that would give us a sense of peace and motivation and confidence in who you are. God, that we wouldn't just be people who say we love you and who say we love other people, but God, that we would show it through the way that we live. It's my desire, God, that as people come to know who Genesis Church is, that the thing that they, talk, they say more than anything is, man, those people know how to love. They know how to love God and they know how to love people. So help us to take a step in the right direction. And thank you, God, that you took a step in the right direction for us by sending your son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve, to forgive us of our sins, to build a new relationship with you, to raise again three days later that we might experience a new life that starts today and goes on forever and ever and ever I believe that by tasting that love, God, you give us the fuel that we need to love you more deeply with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. So God, I pray that you'd go before us out of the doors of this, this building this morning, that as we wake in the morning tomorrow, we would take that one small step in the right direction, whatever it might be. We love you, that you don't just leave us, but that you love us. And you show us that each and every day. In your name we pray, amen.